welcome back to Meet the Sockers. My name is Jeff Fitkin, co-host and co-founder of Meet the Sockers. I'm joined today by the esteemed Skylar Hunter, a, a United fan, a friend of the pod, a founder of the pod. I'm a friend of the pod. No, I'm, I'm in a fight with the pod. I'm clearly in a fight. Enemy of the pod. Um, Jeff, Jeff, you bring the meat and I bring the soccer. I think that's always been our our dynamic. You're I've you're the, the raw protein. The spelling of meat in this, yes. Like I, I think that we would have a lot more if we posted it in some different channels as well. Yeah, we would get some some better Twitter Twitter twi- Twitter interaction. We're big on Twitter. <laughs> Twitter, which is, you know, it's a cold platform uh, activity-wise. It's very cold. Um, yes. But Jeff, you you are the heart and soul of the Meet the Soccer social presence. Without you, there is <laughs> neither of those things. I get so excited when I look at our profile and I see that there have been a bunch of likes and retweets. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, because I liked and retweeted it from my other account. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I will say, I think that we've had some underrated gold on there. Um, but it helps when you have more followers than we do. So follow us at Tweet the Sockers. And oh, look at that. Just in time for somebody to log on, watch the show. Yeah, follow us at Tweet the Sockers. Laugh at the jokes. Some poor masochists. Yes. Um, do, you think, do you think Twitter is over? I mean, I know it's used, but doesn't it feel like like the time that you follow people on Twitter is when you sign up for an account. So there was like a rush of following people years and years ago. And now that everyone's like got an account, but doesn't necessarily use it all the time. Like, I feel like that's gotta be the only reason we don't have a ton of followers. It's gotta be the, the sole explanation. Yes. It's the, it's the children that are wrong. Not us. No. Um, <laughs> I think, I think there is something to that. Like I, but it gets it like this bigger thing for me where like, I feel like you're judged now based on how much you grow. Whereas like, can't something just grow to be the proper size? Like, can't you just be like a nice shrubbery that is like the, you know what I mean? Like, why do you have to be like engulfing the house or else you're failing? Like to me, there's probably, if anything, there's a bit too many people on Twitter. Like, I think Twitter is one of those platforms that would be better if it shrank slightly. Like, yeah, so I don't know. Like, I think you're right that it's like, it's not going to ever do any more than it's doing now. And it shouldn't. And probably Elon Musk is right that half the things on there are just like, you know, Russian intelligence bots. But I don't know. I still think it's great. Like, I I really do love wasting time on Twitter. Like, I, I see interesting stuff. There are very funny people there you know, present company excluded. Of course, because I'm there and I'm not funny. <laughs> <laughs> mm. No, but it's like, it's interesting to me because I think you do a great job of it. If if with a slight Arsenal bias, <laughs> slight. Oh, it's not slight. It's not slight. It's not. I, it's I not. And it might be confusing. United. I want to tweet more about no. United. I'm not just, even just about United. Not but funny what about Crystal Palace? What about Everton? What about uh? Is, it, would that be diluting our brand to be one of those like generalist soccer podcasts, like Football Ramble or Men and Blazers? You know, I've actually thought about this a lot lately, and I'm like, is are we sort of <laughs> have we sort of tried to carve out a niche that doesn't exist, which is people who just want to hear us talk about the two teams that we like? That may or may you know at least fifty percent of those are not the teams that they like. Maybe more. You know, just statistically, you could be an Arsenal fan. You could be a United fan. You're probably not both. And if you are, we don't want you. And there's a good chance that you're neither. So would we, would it be, would it make more sense for us to just cover the entire league with a bit of an Arsenal and United bias? I don't know. Thoughts? Well, part, part, one of the limitations is just our own time to watch football. Like for the fact that you're a busy dad from the fact that I'm in the opposite time zone and really I can only really watch the the games that I either wake up for on the weekend or if I DVR United match, which I didn't this weekend. Um, but but Lucky like I, we can't. It's hard to cover. It's hard to cover all that stuff. Like the people that are doing it are doing it full time, and they're often 
even bigger teams than you and I, right? Like it's it'll be like a True. team of like four to six presenters that rotate around and then probably some writers and producers and editors. Uh, so we're, we're, it, I know Whereas I asked you that. We have that big of a staff, but it's all focused on Arsenal and United. It's all lawyers. We have, we oh, have so it's all, it's all litigation. I don't want to see you watching any other games besides Arsenal and United. Please, sir, my brother plays for Palace. No. <laughs> Chill. Your br- listen, listen, Palace player brother i should have thought of it are you like are you like ebony scrooge you're like american ebenezer scrooge (laughs) listen Listen. guy no coal for you Mm. hate that so don't worry tiny tim insurance will probably take care of some of that do we watch less do you think that how much less football do you think we watch than like carriger and neville because I think, like, considering... I'm wondering if they watch anything that they're not at. Because based on some of the things they've said over the years, I'm not sure that they are understanding it on a much deeper level than like me, you, or like that guy at the end of the bar. Well, you, I mean, they you, played you it. get a lot. We could talk about uh, shit ex player pundits if you want. Like, that's kind of its own category of. There's like there's a lot more shit ex player pundits than there are great ex player pundits. Because a lot of them were stupid for their whole career. <laughs> I feel like they've they've steered them away from the real like for a while they were really trying to get him to do like John Madden style, specifically Carragher and Neville. They were trying to like get them to get out the telestrator and like show us what happened. But like they aren't that good at that. <laughs> like like the main thing that they would show you is like they'd be like, oh. There's a bunch of guys over here, but like they should be over here because uh, that's where they scored. And then you're like, yeah, you get sucked over there and then they score over here. Then you weren't where you're supposed to be. And it's like they really don't get that much deeper than that. Um, although even that, you know, I don't know. I'm going to I'm going to of course, I'm going to go out of order and screw up the banners that we wrote. But like I did find myself hearing them speak over. Did So did you watch the North London Derby over the weekend? Uh, I didn't because I was in a bunch of wedding, wedding stuff, but, but instead of calling out that you're going to go out of order, why don't we just put a, put a bookmark in that? We'll just, yeah, maybe it makes sense to just start with the, uh, the very beginning. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll start at the very beginning. I do. We did have a poll, I think running on the Twitter of do people think that we just stopped talking after the, perfect season that Arsenal were in the midst of ruined by Manchester United with essentially the one good blip that you guys have had this season. Has there been any other moment where you felt happy? Oh, that, well, I mean, I don't know if it's a blip. I think things were going fine before we had a, a forced month off from football. Thanks to an old lady dying at what is an acceptable age for an old lady to die. Well, yes and no. I mean, I do think that that, that hit you guys at a particularly bad time because you were just no football. Like, here's the yeah, Death yeah. Star to play against as your tune-up match. Yeah, exactly. You guys, yeah, you had to play Man City after the month-long funeral. Um, but it, but it also felt like because maybe this says something about your mental state, sort of post the Arsenal match and post you guys seeming to have your shit together a little bit, but. I mean, the first few weeks of this podcast, you were really not happy with the way things were going at Man United. And I think most of Man United fans were feeling the same way. I mean, you had, was it, I don't know, I'm trying to be a dick right now. It sounds like I am, but it was four. It was two losses in a row. Brighton. Like, yeah, it was, or was it Brentford? I can never remember Brentford, which one Brentford, beat us Brentford, by more. Sorry, yeah, no, Brentford. you're right. You're right. Brighton was the 4 0. You're right. Um, well, no, mm-hmm. things sucked because yeah, Harry Maguire was, was playing. Things sucked because Harry Maguire was playing. Then things didn't suck because he wasn't playing, and and that was great. And then our very light, we're very light up top. Uh, so a couple of injuries, and we're and we're we're lacking on forward depth. Uh, but but basically, to get back to Arsenal United, that was the that was the point of like I I thought you were you guys are going to trash us. We played the match. Do we want to? 
I mean, I'm guessing you know what happened. Uh, I, I a do month know ago. what happened. I did watch the match. Um, but, I think everyone. But I'm guessing you. Yeah. I do think, um, you know, to me, and I wonder if you agree, I, I felt like it was two teams that looked pretty even on that day for a lot of the match until there was a point where the, it was it was actually a very interesting mirror reflection of the North London Derby this weekend where the first 60 minutes-ish, the away team was hanging tough but maybe not looking better, and then it ended in a 3-1, you know. But I, I definitely – I was disheartened because I felt like that was a time for us to sort of just like put a mental stamp on United as a team – where they just weren't going to recover that season. But then I think to come in when we were riding on a high and to knock us off our high horse and to do so, you know, with a new player starting on the right wing and Anthony, um, you know, and like guys that I hadn't really heard anyone talking about, like Malachia were suddenly performing and, you know, Martinez, this new signing, he's in there looking like, you know, he was worth the money. I, it was I was simultaneously happy for you and sad for myself. So sad overall, I guess is how that works. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, but it, I feel like in that in that moment, which was our how many was this our third or fourth El Sacerico? I think it was our third. I guess that would have first to be of this the season. Third. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's always going to be a bummer for one of us, right? Even if it ends in a draw, it might be like both of us are annoyed. We're never going to have one of those go by where we're both happy. Uh, True. you guys looked really, you looked really dangerous. And then I don't under, I, I almost don't understand why, why the fact that we played counterattacking was that much of a surprise to Arteta because it seems like the only, that's the only way we win a, a match against the big team is by setting back and hoping to like have a Pacey Rashford, you know, through ball. It, it was, it was surprising to me. Like I was, I'm still now in the in the after the warm afterglow of this weekend's horrific <laughs> atrocities. Like I still am surprised by that result. Um, if that makes any sense, but but like you no, go ahead, just to, just for us to cover I, it. I, feel like I think you were a hundred percent right in that. Like the one thing that we if, you couldn't if you were trying to set us up worse to face United who at the you know basically the one thing that you guys wanted to do was sit back and hit us on the break we really couldn't have right. set up any worse for that and I think maybe the one sort of silver lining as an Arsenal fan to take away from that match is it seemed that Mikel Arteta learned his lesson because we were gonna we now went and played Spurs who are a very similar sort of team tactically where they would also, you know, they'd like to play Conte ball. They would like to sit back. They'd like to be sort of, you know, defensively solid and then come at you when they have those few opportunities in a game and be clinical. Um, and I think that we were set up in a much more pragmatic way over the weekend this time. So maybe that's the one sort of lesson learned there. But it's a tough one. I think I think we're just starting to see images of what Arteta's football is supposed to be like. So... We're just yeah, getting he, he, them from the the Higgs boson telescope, or the <laughs> yes, they were taken seventy two years ago. That's how long it takes light to travel. Um, but they, I think that I think on some level we're still getting to the point where we're just, like he wants to dominate possession so thoroughly. You know, he talked, he made this comment about like I, we need another three hundred thousand passes per game, and I think. In the Spurs game, you could see us doing that. And I think that's what we were ultimately trying to do against you guys. And, you know, maybe, you know, the fact that they were playing at the Emirates and you were playing at Old Trafford, maybe that's the difference is that, you know, you guys... the home match? I think, I mean, I think that matters an awful lot. Um, And you guys just also seem specifically for it that day. Like, that was like, that was just an A-plus game from that crew, right? Honestly, after Liverpool, I thought maybe that was a little fluky. I think we're a really good team, and Manchester City is just an impossible team to beat. And then when they were in more form than us from playing more, I feel like like that plus Holland as a wrecking ball, plus you know players players on our team not having good games. Maybe you have a point there. I don't think it was. I think if we played again. It would look 
Arsenal and United would look similarly evenly matched. Arsenal is a good team with a lot of good players in it. So, like, I don't think that that's yeah. crazy. It, it then becomes a who made the wrong decision tactically, and that day it was Arteta. And then I go to myself and I go, oh, Ten Hag's really good at tactics. Maybe he's always going to make all the right choices. Fast forward to now, um, to this past weekend, uh, Manchester City beat United 6-3 to in a match that was at 1.51, which felt like a scoreline from last year. Uh, I just think this team is the scariest team that has ever been in the Premier League that wasn't one of our teams at our peak. Like, it's... Wow. It, I mean, it even might scarier be really hard than to compete. some of the other City teams. Because, I mean, City have had some... I mean, I believe they still have their record for points in a season. Like, they've had some juggernauts. Do you? This team is scarier to you. Uh, yeah, it all it all basically depends on Holland uh, maintaining his health, right? Because in Dortmund he'd be great, but then he'd be out for a while, and he scores a goal a game or more when he's healthy, and he scores zero goals when he's not healthy. So it's, but so far it it looks like, I don't know, I don't see anything derailing them. I feel like it's like the season's over already. Watching how how they can score goals from every different situation, from just different players doing it. In this case, it was two hat-tricks by Foden and by Holland. But in previous matches of cities, you see them. It's not like they just have this one play they run again and again and again, and it works a lot. Like they, they know every way to play soccer and it's fucking terrifying. And I hate them because they're a sports washing project, <laughs> but Arsenal, we, we were talking a little bit about the, the match against Spurs. What was, who scored the goals? What was the final? You said, was it three, one, you said. So it was three, one. Um, so the first goal, if you haven't seen the highlights, it's an ab- it's a thing of beauty. But Saka gets the ball on the right wing. This is an interesting, speaking of sort of tactical decisions, but there had very clearly been an instruction of don't let Saka beat us today, which is interesting because if anything, he's been a little bit like, B minus version of himself this season. Like I think he has one goal in the league right now. Um, and, you know, he's, he's just looked at like, like honestly to steal a vangerism, he's looked like he's playing with the handbrake on a little bit where like he gets the ball and he sort of like decides what he's doing. Whereas like last year he'd get the ball and he'd already be like 20 yards down the line before you'd even looked at him. You know what I mean? And he, he's just he, – something has been a little bit off with him. But even in spite of that, he's got, I think, I don't know, something like four assists already. And so he looked a lot more dangerous in this game. But also, he was getting double and triple teamed for a lot of the match. And so this was a weird situation where he, like, he looks and there's, like, there's the left there's the left back and the left wing and the left midfielder all lined up, like, as if he's Maradona to guard him. And then he's like, oh, I guess I'll just pass it over here. And they just rolled it out to Party, who was standing 20 yards away from the goal. And I mean, he's so open that he's lonely that he and he so he just does what you know, like a don't, player like don't get don't give me an opportunity to <laughs> to reply to a Thomas Partey goal with he's lonely. <laughs> I mean, he should be he should be lonely. He should be lonely awaiting a trial, not scoring goals. Sorry, well, there we go. We should we, we we should get back to that because so we'll start with his right foot, which was very good at curling the ball into the upper right-hand corner. Now, his left brain and his frontal cortex that is supposed to be in control of not committing crimes, I'm not sure about yet. I don't know. Um, I did see, interestingly, because he was sort of the hero of the match, he was the one that gave us our first goal. Um, but there was some information today about uh, basically whoever this mystery player is that everybody's basically figured out as party – um is going the bail has been extended and so everyone's trying to read the tea what does that mean exactly so theoretically it doesn't mean anything you know they haven't given any new information but because the bail has been extended means he's going to stay out as a free man for now and some people are saying well maybe this means that they're digging more thoroughly into the allegations against him trying to put together a case I know that it's actually a very complicated case in the sense that like whatever is alleged to have happened was in foreign jurisdictions. So it's like, 
it's not the easiest open and shut case, even when you have someone coming forward to make a complaint, like there's a lot of like legal work to be done. So it could be that that is what's happening. But then this is also what happens if, you know, if they were deciding that this was a meritless case, which I have no reason to suspect that it is. But if that was the case, this would also be what is done because it's become such a high profile thing that they're going to want to make sure all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. And so it's become an interesting Rorschach test on Twitter now or in any place that people are talking about football, because whatever narrative you would most like to see there is there's a lot of evidence for you to see that. And I think disappointingly, so you're me, either, you're either in the, are you like in the innocent until proven guilty, like banner waving camp or the like, fuck him camp? yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that. And I think, if anything, I'm a little bit let down because when when this first came out, I felt like, and I'm sure that this some of this is projecting, but I felt like everybody was sort of within the Arsenal circles. A lot of people were saying the right things where they're like, look, you know, we're never going to be pro-rape no matter how much we like an individual player at our club. And like, if these allegations are true, then, and this is the person that did it, then they should go to jail. And that's a terrible thing to have done. And, you know, all of those things. I think lately I've been seeing a lot more homerism, you know, like when I'm, when I'm reading comment threads on Twitter, when I'm reading like, you know, Reddit, our gunners kind of stuff, like there's a lot of people that are, they're just inclined to defend him because they really don't want to have to deal with the reality that maybe he did something wrong. And I get that because I mean, he had one of the, what do you do games. about it? Yeah. Like, what do you do about it as a fan other than feel horrible Sure. And I think at this stage at a fan, there's really not much that we have to go on because like we've talked about on the podcast before, there's just not a lot of information out there. And so I get why people are reacting the way that they're reacting, but I do wish, I do wish that some of that, like some of that original, I think correct energy that Arsenal fans were bringing to the table was still there. And I feel it less like now when I'm reading, when this news came out today, about the bail being extended, it felt like reading a bunch of Arsenal fans talking about a penalty that went against Arsenal. You know what I mean? Where like the bias was just dripping off of every post, and it was like, guys, as if wait, if he if he if he gets sort of acquitted, then it's just like cool part parties back on, like in 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 a literal and metaphorical way. Like whereas I'm sitting here, not I'm not longing for Mason Greenwood, and I in the back of my head, I'm like kind of excited that Ronaldo's become relevant because that, that's all that I have at this point is like moral objectivism. <laughs> yeah. Like the season's kind of what it's going to be, but, but I think to my, I, I do think to myself, it's nice that I don't have to feel like I'm trying to explain a double standard. Like, and in it, I'm not saying you have this at all, Jeff. It's I'm I bring it up because like if he scores a big goal, it's like it's gotta be like a goal that's got an asterisk next to it. The same way if you hit a home run, the year of like the juiced ball or a year of PEDs in baseball, it's like well you maybe you hit all those healthy, but you it's not clear. Yeah. So like I I just wonder about how things would be if 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 all of the players Ronaldo included that do these things actually paid for them even eventually it seems like seems like very rarely do they well i mean it gets into this weird i mean there's no perfect moments like as many like amazing moments as watching this game creates for you as a fan you know you look back you know like even like arsenal fans looking back at the invincibles they'll end up seeing a bunch of players who sort of were turncoats for us later, like a Ashley Cole or somebody like that. And it stings a bit. And I can only imagine that times a million would be the feeling like, you know, what if as this investigation grinds slowly forward, like what if it came out that maybe one of the most important, arguably the most important player in a squad that is like, you know, a resurging Arsenal squad. What if it turned out that he was, you know, committing the most, one of the most heinous crimes in the human experience over and over and over again. Like that would like, if we find that out three years from now, I, it'll, it, it will just create one of the, 
you know, one of the strangest perspectives on this game that I've ever had, you know? It'll it'll hurt even if it's 20 years from now because, dude, I really liked Ryan Giggs for a long time until I found out he's an absolute piece of shit. Right. Like, I, I got now whenever it's like I'm looking at United whatever merch online and I'm like, oh, I want to get a shirt or something. If it's if it's got all of my favorite class of ninety two players on it and gigs, I'm not gonna get it because wearing that oh, is basically yeah. saying I don't care. Like I don't have a Ronaldo shirt, and if I did, I'd probably be tossing it out. I tossed out my A Rod jersey when I was, you know, I'm a Yankees fan. Sorry, everyone who's listening is like, I hate <laughs> this guy. But like, <laughs> like, I, like I do, I do get rid of stuff like that if the person like if I can't if I can't be sitting next to them, you know. You threw out the and, A-Rod thing and, because of steroids? No, I think I threw it out because he was a dick. <laughs> uh, okay. I don't know him well enough to know if he's a dick. But, right, but, but oh, of course, of course he's a dick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's a guy that went with the name A-Rod when it was given. He's like, yeah, but yeah, it, repeat that, repeat that. He's a rod and he's a dick. Um <laughs> But but it's weird because if you think about it, these players and our allegiances to them and our allegiances to the club, like it's not as black and white as it was when we were kids. Oh, you're from here. You like this club. You like this player at the end. Like I'm did, – did we talk about my tattoo that I'm getting? Wait, wait. So I was going to say, where in the process are you? We have not talked about it on the air. I'm getting it Friday of this week. Nice. So, all right. Everyone is listening. I'm getting a United tattoo that I spent a lot of time agonizing over because a few years ago, it wasn't going to just be a United tattoo. It was going to be a Marcus Rashford tattoo. It was actually, I think maybe two years ago when he started doing all that work for the the, the starving children of London that didn't have meals uh during the day or sometimes at all he got the government to change its stance on that and feed all these kids i already liked him as a player he's not perfect he's not gonna you know be the best player ever that's fine he was he's a local lad born and bred and was and was doing the right thing as a as a big and i was like oh cool like i wrote him a letter just to say like hey i don't write but then what happens when you find out at age 36? Yeah. What happens when you find out that the guy and by the way, this is this is a hypothetical situation. Marcus Rashford, as far as I know, is still a great guy. But like to 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 put anyone up there like that, like I could get that Marcus Rashford tattoo and then he kills somebody in a DUI <laughs> in two years, and then I've got this DUI tattoo, and that's what it becomes. Uh so but back to part party, because that's what this was all talking about. It's like it's I in a way, Jeff. I'm, I guess I'm trying to feel empathy for you that you're like, of course, want your team to do well, but you're in a you're stuck in this rock hard place position where you're like, I'm watching the games, I'm trying to enjoy the games. This guy that I don't necessarily approve of just scored an important goal. What do I do? Where do I put my hands? Yeah, I and I don't know what to think about because I'm not in a position. Like, I'm not quite where you are, and where I am, but where you are sort of more notably. Not quite as anti-rape as me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think I'm equally. (laughs) Um, But I think, I just, I'm not as sure of what is going on with this. Because I, I just, I still feel relatively starved for any information, I think, as a lot of people are. I'm very willing I'm very open to the possibility that something terrible happened and that he's responsible. You know what I mean? And I think to me, if you value being a decent human being, you know, at all, you know, saying nothing about you valuing, you know, sort of being a good Arsenal fan or whatever you want to say, then I think that you should, I think you should feel the same way. Um, So I don't know. I'm I'm in a weird zone with it. Cause I also think like, if it turns out, you know, in, in the documentary that gets made about this in 10 years, if they say, well, actually, it was just this weird thing on Twitter and like the rumor spread and, you know, police investigated. They never did anything really about it. Like, like if that's what this story is, then I don't think that this guy deserves to have to sit out forever while, you know, the world catches up to that knowledge. I also think that it's but, un- like this is a story that is almost never that, you know what I mean? So the due process argument here is a tough one. 
it, the weirdest thing is if Arsenal knew, say that it is a, a, the serious thing we suspect, and Arsenal knew, and they're like, well, but the good news is we got him to score a few more goals and have some good games in the meantime. Like that feels yeah. like, like I mean, the same sort of thinking we're criticizing with billionaires that are like, well, I I made more money this year. I know that I hurt the environment and I put people out of jobs, but like, yeah. go me, and right. and like that's that's tough. And and I know that the springboard for this conversation being how badly my team just got beaten by Manchester City doesn't make it seem <laughs> like it's uh, a super planned discussion because it wasn't. But I didn't watch uh, the North London Derby because I was at my sister's wedding, which was on a boat. Um, and then, yeah, I, I City beat our asses and, and that was it. So I, I think maybe I, I have... I don't have a lot to say about the game other than how it made me feel, which was bad. I hope that you bought your sister a very nice wedding present for her coming up with a good excuse for you to not have to you know, sit through that game in real time. Oh, oh. Um, I sat through the first half until it was four nothing. And then I decided to go on a run instead because that felt like it was more of a net positive for my health. It's probably better for you. But I did, I got my sister like the official pre-roll joints of Seth Rogen, the like house plant Seth Rogen joints that are so hard to find. It was like, I got her like a 1978 Pinot Grigio. Like it was like that kind of thing. (laughs) But the drugs version, (laughs) that's awesome. A little bit. Yeah. Um, How did you, how do you even go about finding like that sort of thing? You have to get it off like Craigslist. No, it's that you have to go to all the, or call all the dispensaries that might have it. It's like bougie dispensaries. Mm. And if they have it, you got to rush over there. And then sometimes they only have like the sativa or sometimes they only have the, just the flower versus the pre-rolls. Uh, but they're so pretty. And her, her husband, my brother-in-law was like, yo dude, this is like the smoothest smoke. And I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm glad Seth Rogen knows what he's doing. Wow. That's amazing. That's also cool. Oh yeah. <laughs> that like, cause like, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but like, have you ever bought somebody like a nice bottle of wine and then you just like, it like sits and rots on their shelf and you're like, I thought maybe you'd open it while I was over. But like, that's cool that they've already like, uh, you know, enjoyed this thing that you worked hard to bring them. We, we had that whole conversation actually, where I was like, no, keep, I brought other stuff for like the party. Like hmm. when it's a gift, it should be a gift. It shouldn't be like a, Hey, I want to share this with you. Open it now, whether you want to eat it, drink it, smoke it or not. Because that's well, yeah, an obligation. But then, like the versus... worst is if they don't even enjoy it themselves. That's what I was getting at. Is like, yeah. But they've already. You know what? It. But you don't. You don't give. But you don't give fancy wine to people that are like me that think all wine tastes the same. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep that in mind when you. Well, come. you should keep it in mind, Jeff. And visit me in a week and a half ish. Two weeks almost. Well, a week and a half. Let's call it ten let's days. Ten days. Yeah. Ten days. That's I'm a week fine. and a half. So you guys have heard about this. Have they? They've, they've heard about I, this, right? I guess we've, we've teased it. It's been so long since we've done a podcast. This guy well, Jeff, will be Jeff and I, yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> here in this nondescript white room in London. And we, well, interestingly enough, the Queen's funeral is still screwing up our plans because we were supposed to watch like a pretty, you know, pretty huge, maybe the biggest matchup of the season so far, Arsenal versus Man City. That is not going to happen now. We had to move that because Arsenal's uh, Europa League fixture got moved. So now Arsenal will be playing PSV that night. I also got us tickets to that. Um, But unfortunately, we will not get to see the Clash of the Titans that was scheduled. Um, I think it's going to be net positive for you to not have to go through that while I'm there. Yeah, interestingly, I think I've sold your ticket to this guy who's like a prospective Arsenal fan. So I feel like like he's like he's like a guy who's more into Brazilian soccer, but he's like kind of into Arsenal. And I feel like uh, I feel like that like basically, I mean, if that game, if that's like an amazing game, and we beat Man City, he'll probably be an Arsenal fan for life. But if we like capitulate, but it could be a dicking. It could be a total dicking. It could be. You know what I'm I mean? Sorry. Like, if you guys beat us 3-1 and they beat you 6-3, then that means they would beat us like infinity to nothing. I don't know. I'm not going to math, but... 18 to 3. <laughs> yeah, something like that. 
It would be, I mean, it was the home leg. If there was any part of it, like even last year, the home leg was a pretty close game until we had like a sort of freak red card. Um, we were even ahead in that game for a while. But but imagine if Holland is 20-year-old, 21-year-old Zlatan who is faster. Because that's so what he is. <laughs> yeah. He's just that good, huh? He's scoring more than Ronaldo and Messi's La Liga goal scoring rates at their peak. In the Premier League. In, pre- in the Premier League. Yeah. Against. I, mean, <laughs> I do think that, like, <laughs> interesting, though, with this team, I mean, they're just a team that's clicking on so many levels with De Bruyne and Foden and, like, would. Like, I, I guess the question to ask is, like, how many goals would an Olivier Giroud score in this team? You know, like, if you, to me, he's, like, the exact basic, like, you know, he's, like, the exact replacement player. And, like, I don't think that he would have three hat tricks already like Holland does. But No, he'd, he'd score one and two or three, though. He'd have, like, solid striker numbers in that team the way that, like, Jesus did when he did play. Yeah. But but they're but they're all about like every one of our players can do everything with the ball at their feet. So like you're never getting the ball back, and we'll win it back. Like that's why they're so annoying is that they'll win it from you or make you play a risky pass that they'll intercept, and then you're just effed because then it's just a pass to Holland, and he's like, if he dies, he dies, and then he <laughs> shoots at Rocky, the goalkeeper. Yeah. You got to keep it out of the goal rock. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he's on another planet. Really. I mean, he, he, his only kryptonite is like a very literal sort of kryptonite that like maybe he'll spend, I mean, he's still young too. Like he could be one of those weird careers where you're like, Oh man, like that Sam Bowie sure was something until he got hurt. You know, like could be one of those guys. Although he's already had a better career than Sam Bowie ever had, but is that too American of a reference for me? It's pretty American. Sam Bowie was Sorry. the guy that got drafted ahead of Michael Jordan, famously not as good as Michael Jordan, even though he was very good before he'd been drafted. And that's where they came up with the name, the name for booing. Yes, was how bad this guy was. Yeah. Otherwise, it could have been called Jordan. We could we could have been like don't Jordan don't Jordan people when they're when they're playing. <laughs> yeah, this is a no Jordaning zone, parents. So yeah, so I don't know how Holland crept into our London edition. Uh, yeah, conversation. Like he does look like a, looks like a Dragon Ball Z villain. He looks like if Baby Huey got jacked. Yeah, like like he he does strike me like his origin story is like. He's like fetal alcohol syndrome man or something <laughs> where like, you know what I mean? Like, he, cause he looks all messed up, but like if there was some way that getting bit by a spider turns you into Spider-Man, then like he becomes like, like, I don't know, like a drunken, I don't know. I don't know what this comic book is that I'm writing. He's like a drunken man. I got or something. It by the radioactive consequences of my mother's drinking addiction. <laughs> yeah. I got bit by radioactive crystal meth. And now wait I'm a minute. I can always, I can always sense when I'm in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. He's hit the bar three times, and the ball is ricocheted in the goal, every single one of them. Oh, the bar. I, the okay. bar. You brought it back to soccer. I was like, uh, I can tell that you studied for a long time for a legal exam. <laughs> oh, and yeah, that's all the definitions of bar. Oh no, oh, I'm I'm very pressurized a tank that is used for scuba diving. Am I psi? No, I'm measured in bar. That one's good. Wow, wow. <laughs> so listen, everyone. Jeff did the right thing, which was to get married earlier before his wife could learn about his dad joke. <laughs> the longer that you're married, the worse your jokes get. That's just fact. Because you don't have to try for years at a time. You do not. <laughs> but try we will in 10 days when I visit London. Jeff, any any highlights? Uh, you, you were talking about, uh, oh, that's how we got to Holland. Uh, not seeing Arsenal City. We are seeing PSV against Arsenal in the Emirates. We don't have to go to the Netherlands for that one. 
No, we don't. Hopefully. We're going to, <laughs> going to the oldest of Traffords. The uh, oldest. Eldest Traffords. We're going to see the, the, the oil depot roll into town and see if we can at least Manchester United versus Riyadh United. Riyadh United. Riyadh United, that is. Um, Yeah. It should be called Newcastle Decapitated instead of United. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Only headers. Only headers. Imagine how depressing that would be. It it would be even more depressing, I think, if like if the new Holland in like five years is playing for Newcastle. And the and the problem is he will. He will be. Yeah. He will be. But but you know what? Whoever it is, he better be good with the press. Because Mm. the people that own that club are not. The press being the, the the defensive posture in the game and also the free journalist press that they don't like very much and also look at me i'm a panini and i'm in a sandwich thing that makes grilled cheeses and you have to squish it down that's another kind of press and then then the seventh type of bar outside of going to see professional soccer what else are we doing i know um but- I'm still looking. Skyler has requested a good smoothie restaurant. I'm not sure that they're any local to me, although there's a bunch that were within, you know, a tube stop or so. But that seems like a long way to go for a smoothie. Um, We are going to see the comedy. We're going to a little comedy club called The Bill Murray here in London, which that should be pretty fun. Um, Daniel Simonson. 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 I should, yeah, I should. Not with with semen in it. (laughs) <laughs> Daniel Dickhead, is that how you know it's Simonson? Okay. Daniel um, I feel like we might end up seeing a bunch of comedy. I'm even considering there's a nine o'clock show. Because <laughs> the PSV game starts at like six, something like strangely early like that. So we so you could, could you might have, we might be able make to it to comedy after. Standby? What's that? I'm down. Like, like we, well, like we go to the game and we see how we're feeling on the way back from the game. And if we want to go, we just amble over and get in on standby. Yeah, because the you need to have? the comedy is like pretty close to the stadium. It's like I don't know, maybe 15 minutes away. So we could make it over there theoretically. Um, I don't know what it's like. I still haven't yet. I've yet to enter and yet to exit Emirates Stadium. So if we, I, it strikes me as a new stadium that you can get into and out of pretty quickly, though. I had no troubles. <laughs> so weird that you've been there and I haven't. But yeah, um, it's like times. it's like it's like uh, being the boyfriend before your girlfriend was with you. It's like that guy. Like I've been in your stadium. <laughs> Let me tell you how it feels. Yeah, Lots things of are going really well Lots. for us. <laughs> oh, has it? Has it, has the stadium requested that one thing that it likes that I do? <laughs> huh. uh, yeah, totally. We've done it like a million times, theoretically. I forgot that we've I like done the, it, but yeah. Emirates likes when I walk around in circles uh, inside of it. <laughs> oh, really? Because Emirates told me that I should walk around and spell the letters of the alphabet. So, just with my feet. <laughs> Emirates says you're too big for entry. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Emirates says that uh, to enter, your name on the ticket has to match the name on your ID. It's weird, Emirates. Which you'd argue in a relationship also applies. Yeah. Yeah. You're not Frank. Oh, I guess I'll fuck you. Like, (laughs) that's not the case. You look a lot like the person I've been dating for the last six months, but how can I be sure? Do you... Also, we're going to get a lot of Indian food. Do you want to talk World Cup for the last quarter of an hour of our podcast? Sure. I think... You know, so much of the World Cup for me just comes down to USA, England, because I'm from the USA and now I'm in England. And I feel like, you know, for me, I I watch the U.S. men's national team from a slightly more distant perch than you do. And it seems like both the USA and England are in a strangely similar position of both of these managers would get fired if it wasn't for the World oh. Cup being next month. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, actually, but ex- with the exception of I think uh, 
Southgate would more likely be replaced than Berhalter because Berhalter's yeah. brother is the CFO of the organization. Yeah. And they Although, to be fair, the CFO is not usually in charge of firing the manager, but yeah, I get what you're saying. A little bit of nepotism. But there. And they interviewed and hired one person who is the C-suite's brother. So I call that nepotism yeah. in advertising. So in soccer, it's also nepotism. Uh, but... But the difference is that England was disappointed to have a 3-3 tie with Germany in their in their last warm-up match, whereas the United States uh, was garbage in two matches against Japan and Saudi Arabia. Garbage. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, so much of it comes down, like we talked about before, it comes down to the order that goals are scored in, and it's like, to them, it felt like they squandered a win against Germany. And before that, they were doing horrible um, just against other teams. They've already been relegated in the Nations League. Um, but they but, were Harry Maguire played, and he's terrible. So you take him out, and instantly you beat Germany. That is that, the formula. Gareth Southgate, though, feels like another one of his managers, like Berhalter, who's like, I got my guys. They've been good for me in the past. They'll step up when the moment comes. And it's like, it's been a long time since that last step up moment. Since step yeah. up two, still stepping. <laughs> yeah. One thing that is always true about sports is that guys that used to be good will continue to be good forever. But yeah. like, but you've got these young, great players. Like if Jude Bellingham doesn't start for England, then they are stupid. Because he at nineteen already looks like the best midfielder that England has. Yeah. So like, or like if Luke Shaw is starting, like I don't, I think Ben Chilwell is probably better than Luke Shaw at this point. Luke Shaw is not starting for United. Maguire, like right. all the United players except the ones that he didn't take. Like he didn't <laughs> take Sancho or Rashford, I don't think, or at least in that last. I we don't know the final rosters, but like he didn't take them in that last round when they had been right. playing and scoring goals. But he did take uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum from United's back line. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're both odd teams. I mean, I think it'll be – it's a real sort of like South Park baseball game, I think, that's coming up where it's like both teams are going to be so dumb that like which team wins in this dumb setup. I don't know. I think this is exactly the time for us to do our prediction for who's winning what. For the Ooh, first – In our group? Yeah, like I, I already think I know what the order is of who's like first, second, third, fourth, and how the results of the USA's matches go. Wow. I I could definitely see a screw. If you told me that it was Wales number one, England number two, US Iran, I would believe that. I would just flip your first two because I think it the English team has just such incredible talent and depth and Wales has like a few good players and Gareth Bale's still going to be playing. So like they're, they're very light. They're not a big nation They they don't have like a yeah. ton of top, uh, top level talent. Like when they did well in the euros, that might've been the best Wales will be. I mean, that was um, their golden generation. They had like two Ram Ramsey. Yeah. I mean, their golden generation Ramsey, is basically Bale. two guys, but <laughs> wait, Ramsey, Bale, and Hal Robson Kanu, <laughs> like, yeah, or Will was it Will Grigg or is he Irish? He might be Irish. Will Grigg's on fire. Will Grigg's on. Fire. Remember that? Right. I think England will win out. I think they'll win all three of their group stage matches. Wow, I don't. Yeah, think so. I think this is gonna be. I, but I'm not saying they'll win the World Cup. I think they will beat Wales. I think they will beat think us, and they will beat Iran. I think Wales will finish second with like a win and a draw, and I think we will have a win and two losses. If you told me that England was going to consistently be the best team in this group, I would buy that. And on paper, that is probably the right, like, I don't know, that's probably the right bet. But... I don't think that they're not the kind of team to me that wins out because if you're the kind of team that wins out, you're like the kind of team that doesn't slip on banana peels. And I, they strike me as a team that slips on banana peels. I think they will thrash Iran, like thrash them like yeah. five, nothing. I think they will beat us in a heartbreaking two, like two, one, two, nil three, one, something like that, where 
where like we try hard and, and we're not Iran level. Yeah. Like desperately bad, but I think they'll beat us. I think you've got just too many good players. Like how's the United States supposed to stop Sterling Grealish? Like every one of those players they could throw out there, like can score a brace against us. Yes. I mean, a lot of those players are so good, but for me, I always have this sort of like a, like deflation thing that I do for any England team where it's like, a lot of English players play in this thing called the Premier League, and the Premier League is the most hype league. And the things that you read about the Premier League often come from England, where they like to talk about English players. And I just feel like, you know, there to me, it's not a coincidence that England underperforms in every tournament for the last twenty years. I think they're just all of their players are just a little bit overrated all the time. And so well, when you factor that in, and you factor in the fact that all of ours are the other way, that underrated. I think it'll be a close game. Historically, though, I think England's problem has been having all these big name talents and thinking, I've got to play your Beckhams. I've got to play all these people that are like ticket yeah. sellers instead of someone looking at it like a club and saying, all I want is someone who can play an amazing gig and press system, even if it's the second or third or fourth best player in that position. But they're the one that runs the most, or they're the one that's the, got the most interceptions per 90 minutes and England never runs their team like that. And they play Harry Maguire. So I was going to say, is that, that why Maguire's in the lineup? Because he's married to a spice girl. He's super hot and he's he just a brand and you can't Euro. keep him out of the lineup. He captained them to you to losing in the Euros. <laughs> so like <laughs> that's an achievement. Yeah. So, so but yeah. like, I, I think that in the past they were shot, in the foot by that. I don't think it's the same like Lampard, Gerard, Skulls. Like you, you got to play all these guys, but they're not great together. Like I think you have like a Jude Bellingham, Declan Rice, central midfield, and then just like you throw on all those Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal attackers, and you're you beat every team in this group, including Wales. Like remember, Gareth Bale is like Wales's best player, and he's balding, not and he great. lives in LA. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And he's a pro golfer. So I, it feels very much like I don't know who would stop England in this group of three, and I don't think it will be us. I think we will nick a win to save our dignity a little bit, but I don't think we're making it out of the group. Is, I mean, when you say current. that we're going we're gonna to nick a win, so do you think that it will be something where we have to steal a win off Iran and then we get beat yeah. by both of the British teams? Yes. I think that's uh, that's that I would put money on that being the outcome because I'd be happy to be wrong. It sounds very plausible, I have to say. Like I don't want to lose all hope at this point, but yeah, it does sound like a, the exact kind of thing that would happen. It's also just as likely we lose to Iran and then have a weird one where we beat Wales or beat England or whatever. Like I can't remember which World Cup it was. We got smoked except for we tied Italy, the eventual winner, 1-1 and and like it's, you can get a result against a given team, but like three points matters so much in three group stage games. Yeah, it's like so much harder than Champions League. Yeah, any mistake. Yeah, is yeah I mean the sample size is so small. What do you? Saying, I think it also. So you think I think it, you know the weird thing about the World Cup too is like you get to that last Champions League group stage game where a lot of things are sort of decided or like the you know. The outcome is out of your hands. You get there so quickly in the World Cup. I mean, basically, in the middle of the second game, the announcer is already telling you these sort of crazy sort of like statistical anomalies like that. And so that affects the actual play on the field a bit. Do you think there's any, like... You can say no. Do you think there's any chance we, like win this group or like do you think there's any chance that we surprise people or is that is that just like asking for hurt i thought you were going to say win the world cup <laughs> no, no, um, no. I, I, we might I have a chance there's... when i think i don't know i mean when i look at like the i think that like we're sort of the opposite of many of the teams, you know, like most, I think most national teams are, you know, you have like, I mean, I don't even think they're in the world cup, but like 
you have like Salah on the same team as some guy who is very happy to be on the same team as Salah. You know what I mean? Or like, it's like this. Yeah. Or even like, you know, like a Poland or something where you have like a few players who are some of the best in Europe. And then you have a few other guys that are like, you've never heard of, you will never hear of them again. We're like this odd, I don't know. It's like, there's just a bunch of like really blue collar players on our team that are good players but like we really we don't have we you know where's our sterling where is our even like pulisic like i forget who it was like a former u.s national team player that got called out for basically saying like pulisic is never going to be our Messi because he's not a Messi type player what he is is like a really nice contributing player that happens to play on the wing but like he's not the guy you know like he needs someone you know, else geo geo reyna who hurts his leg once every 20 minutes of gameplay over the last year. Yeah. Like that player, he can be a hundred million dollar player, but his, he's, he's so broken that like, you can't, we can't even count on him to make it through this world cup without getting an injury. And he's like, yeah, the, the highest potential player we have. I, I think we've got Jeff at this point, like there's a lot of players that are in that, like, playing in a Bundesliga team or playing in a lower level yeah. Premier League team or even playing in a Harrison. great championship team. Yeah, like well, you've got your your Brendan Aronson, you've got you've got uh Chris Richards who went from Munich to Palace. Um Aronson will be really fun to watch at this tournament because the ener- I think energy matters a lot at the World Cup. You know what I mean? Like it's because it's just such a weird mix of talent levels. He's our Park Ji Sung who had a great 2002 Korea World Cup, like just from endlessly pressing, endlessly chasing the ball around the field, creating mistakes. In international soccer, I've been parroting this from other people, but like mistakes get amplified. So like if you can be a team that causes lots of turnovers, which we used to be, we haven't been in the last few weeks, um, we we could we could at least look like we belong on the field with some of these other teams. So I'm just, I'm happy it's coming. Yeah, I'm just not. There's no <laughs> not more. Like, there's no more international breaks before the World Cup. The next time we go on international break, it'll be the World Cup, which is that's pretty amazing. We can basically just cruise all the way until Christmas now, and there will be things to watch. <laughs> Cut to the Monday before the World Cup kicks off. Rafael Varane breaks foot at international camp. <laughs> international breaks are back on the menu, boys. <laughs> um, also, DJ breaks are back on the menu where they take like one part of the record and spin it a lot. Also, bars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're speaking about pounds per square inch, right? Yes. Yeah, but I'm also just I'm getting back to earlier when we were talking about bars, and that was like a good moment. So you just keep keep referencing it. Yeah, that's remember, one thing. Remember when bars were big? I remember bars. I remember them. Do you remember <laughs> dropping them? You used to drop them a lot. Oh, hot bars, sixteen at a time usually. Sometimes just eight. If I was having a little feeling, you. You know, normally they were under sixteen. You rascal. <laughs> And on that note, <laughs> drop fourteen bars about Epstein. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's behind, he should be behind fourteen bars. Oh, get it? Like, love means like a- finishing each other's sentences as Chislaine sandwiches. Maxwell's sentences as Ghislaine Maxwell's team. Oh, like oh, that was cute. I shouldn't have interrupted you with sandwiches. that should be a new inside joke on this podcast whenever somebody's in the middle delivering a punchline you just go sandwiches Sandwiches. (laughs) all right well the next time i see you we will be sharing a sandwich yes probably not the same one could be like a big one yeah you're gonna and share you get some disgusting british mustard or some shit on it some mustard mayo hybrid that's how i'm gonna keep my sandwiches safe from you so you're going to keep your sandwiches safe from me? Sandwiches? Keep your, keep your sandwiches safe is what we're trying to say. This has been a public service announcement for the last hour for the sandwich board. Follow all us right, online well... at Tweet the Soccers. Tell all your friends about this <laughs> podcast. Rate and like us. Follow us individually 
at, at come up with shit and at fake Jeff Itkin. And then just write a random tweet. You don't have to tag us in this. You can. And just say that you like us personally. Nice save from my not understanding what we were talking about anymore. All right, Jeff, goodbye. Goodbye. Meet the suckers. Meet the-